0: welcome everybody so today we've got eric keen here on the peak pros podcast this is one of our first times doing a zoom version but it's super cool because my boy eric eric is a a premier physical therapist up in upstate new york he and i first got to know each other in um in greenwich connecticut where we were working together at elite health services also known as elite Now they changed their name. You tell me, is that right? Uh, I think they're going by elite as opposed to EHS. So yeah, yeah, man, exactly. So yeah, so we got, we got Eric Keen here and um, instead of me trying to explain all the great things about Eric, I'm just going to hand it off right to him and say, Eric, talk, talk to me a little bit about yourself and kind of how you found yourself here in this situation right now.
1: Definitely. So first of all, thank you for having me, Brian. It is an honor to get to see you again. It's been so long, so I know. I'm know i excited, man. Um, but I guess the, the simplest way to start is I started off as a strength and conditioning coach training athletes for about four years before I became a physical therapist in 2014. Um, that's actually what drew me to, to Elite was I, I wanted to take some of those principles I learned in strength and conditioning and take the manual therapy side of it to kind of like help people get better faster so i did my residency at elite and that's where i met you and Mm -hmm. you know you had just finished your residency and just passed the fmt so you're you're my idol and i was like oh man i gotta learn from this guy yeah so
0: it It, was amazing it was a fun time working there i i was surrounded by excellence there were so many great therapists there um you know between dave and matt tara and obviously big brad um, yeah, just man. such a stellar crew there with Heather and and Tiff. So, yeah, I mean, the the whole CFMT. What does that even mean? CFMT. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so that's what drew me to Elite was the the residency program to become a certified functional manual therapist. And you know, there's lots of definitions of it and what it can mean. But to me, it's really just learning how to help people move better with your hands, whether you're guiding them through a movement pattern or doing a mobilization to help a, a soft tissue, a joint, uh, you know, nerve, viscera, really anything just move better, whatever's impeding their motion.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's been, it's really been uh, a game changer for me just really becoming a better therapist, not just with my hands, but with my head, just sort of, never being intimidated by someone who comes in and and listening to what their history is, listening to their problem and figuring out, all right, where do I start? It kind of gave me that nice, um, uh, like methodology in terms of where to start. And, and also just remembering that, you know, you got to treat the coccyx. You can't just treat the, uh, you know, if they come in with a hip problem, you got to always remember that it could be coming from the tailbone. It could be coming from the sacrum. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of areas that you got to, um, I guess one of my favorite phrases is no stone left unturned because you really Mm -hmm. you're treating a body you're not just treating a hip um Mm -hmm. so you know i had someone come in just just earlier today who's who's got a knee problem and now you know like a knee problem is not just a knee problem it's probably something coming from the foot and or hip But then there's also a lot more coming up the chain and and understanding how the the opposite shoulder could be a big contributing factor, which, you know, a lot of people always just like to joke, oh, yeah, that the hip bone is connected to the the shoulder bone or the ear bone or whatever. But it really is actually just so true, you know, between the fascia and then everything in between. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, So you're a hockey guy. And so am I, which is probably one of the reasons why we connected so well. But talk to me a little bit about like your, you know, hockey history and how you've kind of integrated hockey into your, you know, the niche top, the niche population that you work with and also, you know, how it sort of guided some of what you like to do, uh, you know, in the treatment room.
1: Yeah. So I played a ton of hockey. growing. I played, I mean, I played hockey. I played baseball. I played basketball, but hockey was my main sport for sure. Um, I played ice hockey in high school. I played roller hockey actually a lot growing up. Um, I was on the, the U.S. roller hockey team for two years, so it was, it was a short career. Uh, I had to cut it a little bit short going to PT school, but I played ice hockey in college. I played professional roller hockey, um, played all over the place. I, mean, I played in the World Championships in, in Italy, in so Kaohsiung, crazy. in Taiwan. Dude, that was – it feels like a lifetime ago. Dude, you but... played in Taiwan?
0: I didn't know that. Yeah, dude,
1: I, I played in, in Czech Republic, Taiwan – Uh, Italy, and Dusseldorf in Germany. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. So, that was, it it was such a fun time. And, you know, as far as, like, integrating it into my treatment, it's like, it's with me every single day. It's one of those things that, you know, I was a strength coach before, and now what I'm trying to do with my patients, you know, I treat basically anyone. I treat post-ops. I treat, you know, with our IPA background, we're confident treating anything from the big toe up to to the TMJ and headaches and everything in between. Yeah. So, the the way that I integrate is basically trying to take those high level principles I learned from athletics to help people get better faster, and just apply it to anyone who wants to to feel better. So that's right. constantly what I'm trying to do.
0: Yeah, and and it's funny. Like I I want to kind of I don't want to just gloss over the big toe because as much as it's part of a, a little bit of a joke, like anything from the big toe to the you know TMJ or headaches, the big toe is is actually really important. I can't tell you how many people in the last two or two and a half years like I've I've had some um, amazing dancers who are like 13 and have like this pretty significantly, almost like an arthritic great toe because they've Mm -hmm. built it up so much and they've put so much of their body weight on it. You know, ballerinas, I mean, Irish tap dance, like, and then high level runners, like your big toe is so important in driving Mm -hmm. gait and propulsion. Mm -hmm. So, people kind of may may joke about it or be like, Oh yeah, you know, big toe. Like that's, yeah, that's funny. No, you actually, a good therapist treats the big toe because the big toe is the first point of the drive in terms of walking and or running and, you know, raise your hand if you walk. I mean, there's most of our (laughs) patients walk and a lot of them don't walk very efficiently. So Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, the same could, you could probably give an argument for someone who's a hockey player in terms of their skate um, or like their, their, uh, their stride or, you know, certainly any other, other athletes as well. It's just, it's just interesting. And that's, I just kind of want to keep bringing that part up as well. And when you're trying to treat people, you really got to look at the big picture.
1: That that's, what's been interesting about moving up here is like, you know, before when we were at elite, you're just constantly surrounded by people who kind of think outside the box. Right. And, and it's not that you know, up here that people aren't, but it's just a completely different mindset. it's very much influenced by, by orthopedics and by like, just like general surgery where it's like, all right, I'm coming up with a rotator cuff surgery. You know, right. I need to treat my shoulder, but right. sometimes, you know, you have to integrate breathing if yeah. they have a, a chronic breathing dysfunction of some kind, um, as well as looking at the entire kinetic chain and how the big toe might be integrated with their gait and right. all that.
0: Yeah. So and, I'm with and- you, brother. Yeah. And, and and the other thing is like, you know, breathing, you know, people might say, well, breath work, like, how does that really um, affect the shoulder? Well, just wait till you have a shoulder surgery. And then you ask them on post-op day one to take a really deep breath. They'll feel it in their shoulder. And that just go. that's like a great litmus test to show how connected our body is and what you know, and that's the whole reason why we treat if it's a shoulder, you're going to treat that collarbone, you're going to treat the rib the sternum or the manubrium, um, obviously, these upper ribs, you're going to treat that scapula, like even I mean, a lot of therapists don't even touch the scapula when they're treating a shoulder patient. I mean, it's, it's, it's ludicrous.
1: Dude, don't forget about general arm technique. That one's oh, real important. Yeah,
0: you got <laughs> to work all the soft tissues through that arm. <laughs> nice, dude. So
1: couldn't, couldn't resist.
0: So, yeah. So um, oh, well, while we're on that wavelength, we should just talk about scar tissue. Like, do you actually t- treat scar tissue? Yeah, dude, don't you? Of course. <laughs> and, and isn't scar tissue just like the iceberg? I mean, we've got to talk about <laughs> the iceberg analogy while we're talking about going back down that road. <laughs> what what 10, part of that? 10%, I said, of I the, step one. 10% of the iceberg is above the water, but 90% is below the water. So that's, that's how it, scar man. tissue is. <laughs> I'll drink dude, to that analogy.
1: Per- that analogy is perfect for patients and everyone really for learning that. It is. So I think that, that, that research, Brian was Axon,
0: woo, and Emil. <laughs> <laughs> You're Love bringing it all man. back to me right now. <laughs> oh dude. You ever read anything, anything by Malcolm Gladwell? <laughs> <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> all right. We got to get back on track here.
1: Yeah, so, me do. You're killing it. So, yeah. So
0: Talk to me a little bit about that transition. You, you touched on it a little bit. You're, you're up in upstate New York now. And are you, I mean, first of all, I, I went up there for your wedding up in like near Canandaigua, man. And I was like, man, this is beautiful up here. I love it. So from a PT perspective, professionally speaking, how has that transition been? I mean, you went from like the all-star crew in Greenwich, Connecticut, which has got to be, it's kind of like a little bubble. It's not your typical, you know, uh, USA. Um, now you're, now you're working in, in, in near Rochester or up, up that way. How has that changed you and how has it not changed it at all?
1: Uh, I would say it was a a big transition because, you know, I kind of came out of school with this ideal situation, you know, patients treating one-on-one for an hour surrounded by brilliant therapists. Um, and then, you know, this setting, I, I went from, uh, out of network to in network, so my patient right. population is very different. Um, and I went from an hour treatment one-on-one in a treatment room to a half hour in an open gym setting. Mm-hmm. So I actually have to say that I really enjoy the open gym setting. Yeah. And I, I kind of wish like, you know, that I'd had the opportunity, like imagine like me, you and Dave oh, in an yes. open gym, just crushing yeah. it <laughs> and like
0: Brad and Tar Dude, and everybody. I have to say, I I used to love that. I mean, I worked in that setting for so long and it was just it we we always joked that we wanted to make like a, a sitcom that was called like out of alignment. And and it's it's literally hysterical because you're you know, the problem is I was treating sometimes three, four people at, at once. And so it was almost mm-hmm. like I was a band director. I was like, all right, you gotta do some of these, you gotta do some of those while I'm trying to treat someone. And so unfortunately that was one of the things I didn't enjoy was that I if I wanted to get down and dirty or or deeper with a patient in terms of talking to them about, you know their anxiety or some of their visceral problems, you know, their digestive issues. Like a lot of patients didn't really feel that comfortable talking about that stuff when you're, you know, when you don't have undivided attention and you've got a lot of laughter and a lot of, you know, but I do, I I think I know where you're coming from or where you're going with this in terms of like the benefits of that open gym setting.
1: Yeah, that, that is fun. But exactly like you said, what I struggled with when I started was Some of those more complex uh, patient presentations when they'd come in, um, you know, it'd be an hour one-on-one evaluation, which is fantastic for in-network. And then it would be a patient every half an hour. So it was really hard for me coming from that background to be like, oh my gosh, I know I can be giving so much better care and so much better time. But you know, I kind of just had to figure out that okay, maybe this patient I'll be able to give you 15 minutes of manual therapy and undivided attention now, but then we can kind of progress to therax and kind of teach them some more stuff and patient education. But not ideal, but you know, it, it is what it is. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it is. It, it, you you got to do what you got to do, and you're you know, the question is, are you helping people? And it's an overriding, you know, or overwhelming. Yes, of course you're helping people. You're helping people yeah. feel better. And in some regards, you're helping more people feel better because you've Mm -hmm. got more people per day than somebody like Mm -hmm. myself now who's treating 60 minute private, you know, one on one. But my argument is that I'm, I'm trying to help that person that much more in the 60 minutes than you can when you're only given, you know, 25 to 35 minutes or whatever, you know, now you're, of course, your patients are still there for more than 30 minutes usually. You just yeah, only so have
1: one on one for thirty. Well, the the system I've kind of come up with over the last year and a half. Can't believe I've been here that long already. I know, man. Uh, <laughs> is uh, I, I can't keep it there much longer than about fifty seven minutes.
0: Oh, I love it, dude! You so got it down that's, to down to fifty seven.
1: That's what I figured out is that I only ever want to have two people at a time. And that way I can have pretty much, you know, as soon as they get there, get right into a quick catch up on subjective, some motion testing as needed, and then right into manual therapy. Mm-hmm. So we do about anywhere from 10 minutes to about 25 minutes of manual therapy. Mm-hmm. And then I get to instruct them on Therax and then the next person comes in, same exact thing. They're, if they're as long as they're pretty independent with some of their Therax. And yeah. it works out pretty well, actually. So I definitely am happy with the the treatments right now. And the patients are less
0: complex sometimes. So right, it right. seems to work That's out. That's the decent. nice thing. Now, now, did you say start them out with a quick jack dibs? Is that what you said? Hopefully
1: not. Uh a quick uh <laughs> I'm like, what did he say? Pro- I-, I probably said like a quick pretest, like a quick movement of some kind oh, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Or, or, a quick, or a quick or a quick subjective or something Oh, like that's that. what you said. All right.
0: Yeah. yeah <laughs> Excuse yeah. My, my my headphones apparently. You're like, um, what, like
1: what functional movement patterns that <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jackie Gleason, baby. Uh, Jackie Gleason, all right. <laughs> so um now, do you have any help? Is is any anyone else giving you assistance in terms of helping people get through stuff smoothly, or is it basically you? You know, it's just you helping each each of your patients.
1: We kind of have we have a team approach. Like, there's seven of us uh, in the open gym, okay. but you know, we're, we're kind of all responsible for our own patients. But you know, you yeah. kind of ask someone like, "Hey, I need to divide some time here. Like, do you mind helping out that person over there?" I, I gotcha. Nice, nice. It, it's working out good. I'm. Very happy up here in general.
0: So. Exactly, and that's you know we we used to talk about all the time like step one, step two, and step three. Like part of part of your career happiness is based on your your life happiness, and and part of this decision. I mean, I know that you loved working working at Elite and and at the same time I, I was trying to vet you to come work with me but the bottom line is also <laughs> like you've got your wife you've got little Joey and and you made this decision for the big picture and so I'm sure that it was 100% the right decision. Um where do you see yourself yeah. in 5 maybe 10 years from now what what are your uh, dreams or aspirations?
1: Oh man, that is the million dollar question. Yeah, it is. Uh well, I don't know, I guess when I, when I first got out of school, I kind of saw it as like every role model I had was a, was a PT clinic owner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always thought that'd kind of be my route. But these days, what's really been taking a lot of my attention and passion, I, I actually patented a, uh, a rotator cuff strengthening device.
0: So is it, wait, 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 is it this one? <laughs> I think I was one of your first first purchasers of the handlebar, dude, baby. Talk to dude, me a little dude. bit more about this.
1: Yeah, so I actually thought of it when I was at Elite. Um, just a little bit after you started up Peak. So I was treating one-on-one in a room just just like you. And, you know, a lot of these patients were so complex and they tried everything. They're like, I've tried bands, that didn't work for me. I tried dumbbells, I've tried massage, didn't work for me. Um, and I kind of came up with it just as a way to like, give them a, a novel stimulus a new way of strengthening um in a treatment room that didn't require like any kind of anchor points or bands or any weights or anything like that And actually started off as pvc pipe i wish i had uh one of my originals up here right now but then uh it morphed from pvc pipe into this um aeronautical grade aluminum that's less than a pound so it's like it's not actually a weight but oh, i have one right here too I got to get you up with a sticker on it. Man. I know,
0: man. It's beautiful. A bar. That's a beaut.
1: Uh, thanks. Clark. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, man, that's that's kind of like how it started. And then it kind of morphed into this whole postural rotator cuff scapula thoracic strengthening program. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I kind of like you know, hope to get it in as many hands as possible. Um, we know from research that, you know, our strength peaks in our late 20s, early 50s, And then from there, it's like almost a gradual, steady decline, unfortunately. And then, you know, strength and power, between like 50, 60, decreases like 16%. So what I'm really hoping for, I mean, we all know that our teeth require maintenance twice a day, right? We need to floss, we need to brush, we need to do all that stuff. But what isn't as common is we don't realize that our shoulders, our bodies, everything requires maintenance. So I'm hoping to make shoulder strengthening and the handlebar as, as come in as accessible as brushing your teeth. That's mm-hmm. basically the, the long-term goal. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully that makes sense.
0: Now, so, <clears throat> sorry, we had a little technical glitch there for, for like, I think you were quoting, like you were given a, did you say 50% or something? Like I lost you maybe like a minute oh, yeah, ago. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So talk to me, repeat that one little part before you talked about like kind of assimilating it to oral hygiene. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, basically strength peaks
1: at the age of like late twenties to early thirties. That's like when we're at our strongest basically. Okay. And then between in the ages of 60 our strength and power starts to decrease by like 15 percent something crazy like that
0: okay wow so
1: what i'm trying to do is trying to halt that halt that um regression a little bit in strength, and just hopefully make the handlebar make strengthening make posture training as common as brushing your teeth yeah
0: yeah that's, yeah. that's the goal i like it and i mean we also know that like i mean the numbers are staggering 50 plus 60 plus, 70 plus in terms of age, how many people have rotator cuff tears that are undiagnosed, right? And we know that from autopsies Mm -hmm. and and this, that, and whatever. Um, But the fact that like something like 50% of 50 year olds or or 50 plus, you know, people have a rotator cuff tear, even if it's just a small one, that's, that's astounding. And, And I would argue that a lot of that causes because like you said, there's most people don't most people don't do strength training period. Most people don't when they do strength training, they don't necessarily do rotator cuff strengthening. Um, and even people who love, you know, tennis players and golfers, a lot of them don't even really take proper care of their rotator cuff. Um, I actually did some pretty hefty research when I was, um, when I was working with you back at elite, are you there? You there Eric? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, it it Can sometimes we're getting a little freeze freeze up here and there and a little delay, so I just want to make sure we're still good. Um so yeah, so mm-hmm. one of the things I, you know, the the glenohumeral internal rotation deficit, there is a ton of research done on baseball players, football players, you know, overhead throwers and it's shocking. Like I I was, I work on some tennis pros, uh, not, you know, teaching pros and the amount of external rotation compared to the lack of internal rotation is, is ridiculous. Now, Mm -hmm. if you work, if you're playing professional level sports and you're a baseball player, they know this stuff. So they, they have these guys and, and I would hope that minor league and, and college level players also know this stuff based on their, their, um, you know, athletic department and athletic training department. But the bottom line is there's so many people that do play tennis that have no idea about this stuff. And not only do they have weakness in their cuff, but they also have this sort of massive imbalance with too much external, which is fine because they may need that for their tennis serve or for, you know, that caulking phase of the throw, but then like 50, 60 degrees of a deficit into internal rotation. So when you combine that with the, the, the numbers that we were just discussing it's it's no wonder that this handlebar is so crucial and that it, it would make total sense to get people, you know, every single tennis player in the world should have one of these right next to their toothbrushes hanging up. And, you know, it's like, start the day. So, so give me a couple examples, show me a couple of your favorites and, and let's talk about how we can integrate them into, um, you know, people's either into their day or into their workout or, you know, basic stuff? That's a, that's a great question. So
1: how it started was that everything we do, if you think about your day, like what we're doing right now, it, everything is so forward oriented, mm-hmm. meaning that, you know, everything we do is just in front of our bodies, whether we're at a computer, whether we're writing, whether we're texting, whether we're eating, drinking, you know, and it, it makes sense that's in front of our body because our eyes are in front of our body, our mouths are in front of our body. Were designed to do things like that. But what also happens is we've seen as we get older, people really do tend to kind of start to gradually slouch a little bit, gradually slump. We've kind of seen our, our grandparents that that happened to and everything. So the, the first exercise that I usually start people with is a standing extension exercise, um, which is backward oriented, just to balance that out. So let's say you're at your computer and you're like, oh, man, I'm getting stiff. I need to stand up. So let's see if you can see me here. So I'll be right here, have my handlebar here. I'll adjust it to a setting that fits me. And I'll stand here like this, shoulder blades back, and then just lift up behind you, and then squeeze your hands together. Hold it for five, breathe in through your nose out through your mouth, like you're blowing out birthday candles, or if you prefer blowing a poison dart, I like that one too. And then Ah. you can relax it. (laughs) And then shoulder blades back, lift up behind you, squeeze your hands together. It's actually very challenging motion. That's our version of a rowing exercise, which is very much uh, prescribed for posture training. So yeah, I mean, I'll talk you through it. So just adjust it all the way out. Perfect, yep. And now just stand there. Pinch your shoulder blades together. All right. Perfect. Squeeze squeeze the hands together, gently like you're pushing on a gas pedal and just lift up until you feel some muscles working. That's it. Simple. Simple, yet highly impactful. That's the goal.
0: And so I'm squeezing my hands together. So I'm kind of you creating- You got it. But I'm, I'm trying to depress the shoulder blades. So I'm not actually pulling the handles apart. I'm actually squeezing them together.
1: Yeah. So we had different versions of it. So the shoulder is the most mobile joint in the body, but we hardly ever utilize its full capacity. So you can do versions where you push together or pull apart because it works different muscles. Right. Right. So, you know, when you do the adduction component, it works extension, adduction, internal rotation pattern. Right. Versus if you pull out, it works extension, abduction, external rotation.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Now. Which which of those do you find more often that you like to to in, in or do you just you want a healthy um, healthy dose of both? I would say adduction is most often weaker. Okay.
1: Adduction. A D D.
0: Yeah, and it, it some of it goes to um, an area like like just the fact that you're squeezing your shoulder blades together while you're bringing your arms behind you it's such an air, it's such a direction that we don't really function in. And that's exactly why we're weaker there. And that's one of the benefits of the handlebar. It's like, it's just so nice because people need that, that motion to counter what we're doing right now, sitting and trying not to slouch. But even like you said, I mean, the computer screens in front of us, the computer keyboards in front of us, the mouse is below us, that sort of thing. So the shoulder blades, have a propensity to come a little bit here, even if you're really thinking about it. So that's excellent.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And what, what's interesting about that too, is what we've found is we, we do get forward a lot when we're doing things, but it doesn't necessarily mean those muscles are strong either. So the approach that we take is trying to strengthen muscles in, in every range. Mm-hmm. So we strengthen the shoulder blades back, we strengthen in the rounded position as well. And when you're in that forward position, You can even be here, push your hands together to work internal rotators. You can pull apart to work external rotators. You can move a lot of different ways. So, you know, we always think, uh, oh yeah, so what you can do is go ahead and just protract. Push your shoulder blades forward a little bit. You don't have to slouch to your neck or anything like that, but just push your shoulder blades forward and now push your hands together. And you can feel the adductor muscles, the internal rotators working a little bit. Shoulder blades forward. Yep. And then squeeze. So where, where I actually got that one from was more of a PRI perspective, which is another one that we're both trained in. Mm-hmm.
0: That looks one cool of again. the things I really like what you're doing with this mm-hmm. is we're layering at minimum two muscle groups, you know? So when you're, you're asking a patient to roll their forward, sh- roll their shoulder shoulders forward or in the other case backwards, and then you're also having them do something else on top of it. But I think the, the handlebar gives them a little bit of like a, a safety net because, you know, there's there's not all this movement, for instance. So at least there's one variable that we've got pretty good under control. And that's one of the drawbacks to like a TheraBand. You can give them TheraBand and you can ask them to, you know, hold this towel roll under your elbow and, and try to make sure you're tucking it in and then try to try to kind of rotate it in and out. But unfortunately, they're not always that great in that range and they're kind of moving all over the place and they think they're doing it, but they're really not doing anything for the rotator cuff because they're getting so much of something else. So I kind of like this because it's that isometric, but you've got two other components that they are working on, which makes it a little bit complex. And I think too, I like complex, but too complex is just too much for many of our clientele base.
1: Absolutely. and it, it started like it's taken a long time to get to some of these simpler exercises. I was so complex with it to start. Um, but really, I've kind of simplified it to two different posters that I, I, I um, have on my website right, as well poster away with the handlebar. Um, And the one is just an isometric series at neutral for someone who's like, let's say six or eight weeks post-op rotator cuff. And, you know, we're so used to to seeing the wall isometrics that patients and and therapists mess up all the time. Right. So this is a really simple place to start. That's really impactful. And Mm -hmm. then the other one is more of a functional training prep Mm
0: -hmm. as well. Nice. So,
1: which which perhaps for push-ups, overhead press, rows, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Can
0: you give me just one fun one for like an overhead athlete, you know, cause I do have oh, a fair yeah. number of, you know, so give me something kind of a little bit more fun or complex with, uh, with the handlebar for like an overhead, like someone who's got a little bit of maybe an um, impingement in an overhead tennis serve or something like that.
1: Yeah. That's one of my favorite ones. So that usually for me starts off with a, with a, a test. So when I see them, I try to see if they can do this first. I haven't put their, their hands directly underneath their elbows like this and then you just slowly lift up over your head and don't let the elbows flare at all and just see how high you can get before your elbows want to flare okay that looks and now from there if they're, if they're usually one elbow will kind of flare out yep and then if they do i have them hold the handlebar just like this perfect and now from here Go ahead and just protract a little bit. So push your elbows forward and push your shoulder blades apart. From there, gently squeeze your hands together. Maintain that. And now slowly press up over your head. Try to keep your armpits forward like there's headlights shining out of them. That's it. You, the goal is to feel this in your armpits and in your serratus anterior your ribs. And you're in charge of how much you push. You don't have to push like you're pushing on a, you know, as hard as you can, push like you're pushing on a gas pedal. So you can either do that with a push together or with a pull apart.
0: I like it. Very cool.
1: Yeah, man. Simple, simple yet impactful. That's cool.
0: And the other thing you can do that's kind of fun is, you know, just if you want to counter, if you want to, you know, maybe try to do a little with one arm doing like a, an internal rotation or the op and then obviously you have to do the opposite on the other hand so you can kind of do a little switchy switcheroo so oh yeah dude definitely pull apart push together right like if exact, you're going like to resist exact. with the opposite and and you kind of going back and forth like that that's it man that's it cool man well i i uh I don't know what what's the phrase. Necessity is the driver of invention, or I I, I really I'm I'm the yeah. king of butchering phrases. <laughs> but that's really cool, man. I love that you you had an idea, you put it together, and then you actually went and got a you know got a professional company to to make it work, and then got a patent on. it. That's super cool, man.
1: Well, it's been what's been great about is it, like people like you have helped it grow. Like you know my my dad was the one who thought of making aluminum my, my buddy is the one who's actually producing them for me in Rochester.
0: Uh-huh. It's really
1: been like a, like a team effort of just like close friends who have really made this happen. Yeah. So that's what I'm most excited about really.
0: That's very cool. So do you still, are you still like pretty close with your LIU crew? Like, you know, a lot of PTs that you went to school with there and, um, you know?
1: Yeah, man. I, my, my buddy, Jeff, uh, I talk with him all the time and he was actually my my resident of Elite as well. So he was just, yeah, he still lives in, in New York City and I definitely miss him. Um, but yeah, man, I definitely keep in touch with all of them.
0: That's awesome. So let's just talk real brief. We got a couple more minutes here. Um, yeah, we got a couple minutes that we can still chat. What, um, you know, you, I, I know when I think about you as a PT, I always think about like your ability to treat the hips so well. And I think part of it is, you know, I, that you, as a hockey player, your hips need attention. And and truthfully, the hips are drivers. Uh, you know, if, if someone asked me 10 years ago, you know, what do you treat the most or whatever, I probably would have said shoulder or something along those lines, but I really feel like the hip is probably one of the most important parts of the body to treat. And the reason I'm saying that is because, Um, every lower back patient needs a lot of attention to the hip. Every knee patient needs attention at the hip and probably many of our feet and ankle patients need help for the, uh, you know, need work in the hip area. It it really is the central point to our body. Um, and I always remember you having some really cool techniques and really like a, a nice, um, solid approach to the hip. What are what are some, you know, do you have any go-to techniques that you like using with the hip or do you have anything, you know, um, fun cases that you worked on, you know, athletes or anything like that with the hip?
1: Yeah, definitely. So the, the first person who comes to mind really is a 33-year-old uh, Ironman, actually, who I treated here. Uh-huh. Um, and he actually originally came in with chronic neck pain that he's been to many providers before. And actually, he went to a local college and he was friends with a lot of the physical therapists there. And he was like ready to quit PT. And his friend's like, listen, listen, this new guy's moved to town. Like, go ahead and try him. And He's supposedly pretty good. So he comes to me and gives me this long history and stuff. I'm looking at his neck. Um, and then I'm kind of looking more holistically and I was like, dude,
0: like what's going on with your hip?
1: And he's like, oh yeah, I had FAI surgery in, uh, 2009. What does FAI
0: and, remind the crowd? Uh, fe-
1: yeah. Uh, femoral, femoral acetabular impingement. So yeah, he was having some hip pain. He was a, um, he was a college, um, cross country runner. And, uh, yeah, I guess his hip just never fully recovered. So we basically ended up treating, you know, big toe, uh, talocrural joint, his ankles, right hip, um, all the way up into A to P work in his neck and nerve tracing. And his symptoms, I'm so happy to say he's a big success story that he's doing fantastic now.
0: That's but, so awesome.
1: Yeah, so that's been cool. But as far as his hip is concerned, I, I took a combination of, a, of an IPA functional manual therapy approach and PRI, posture restoration. So my my go-to test to kind of figure out what I need, uh, start off with straight leg raise, then into a Thomas test, check hip IR, ER on both sides, uh, sideline Obers test, and then a prone rotation as well, just to get an idea about the positioning of their pelvis. And depending upon how the test lined up for him, it actually ended up, he needed a lot of left hamstring activation Left adductor activation and right uh, external rotation and hip abduction. So it was like this balanced approach between both sides to address all of those things. So yeah. all my 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 belt mobilizations came down to mobilizing him in a direction that allowed proper gluteus medius activation on his right side. Mm-hmm. So that was left sideline leg up, you know, little wishbone. Oh yeah, the wishbone right bone, baby. Go. I was you gotta just go. gonna say.
0: You gotta go. yeah Yeah, well there's also some i mean there's been some really good stuff with kind of along those same those like belted glides like with like a super band or something where you can get some people doing i always remember seeing you do some pretty cool functional strength stuff in like uh you know at the squat rack or over there where you can get somebody doing like some tall kneel or half kneel stuff you know, maybe a little raggedy in or, or uh, boogie boarding. That was always good stuff too. Uh, but yeah, like there's just so much good stuff that, that the hips need, because again, I keep using that hip word, but the glutes, I mean, the glutes are so important. And now we've, now we've tackled two of the three most important things for runners, by the way, big toe and butt. So what's the third B the belly, baby. (laughs) So you got to get the core engaged. It's always so many runners, you know, love to run, love to run, love to run, but how much, how much they, they hate to plank. I mean, you know, sometimes there's some really integral stuff to do just to get the core, connecting the upper to the lower half if you know what i mean so true man so true all right so we're we're winding down here um i i still can't believe we finally made this happen it's super cool having you on here and just chatting and and rapping a little bit about some pt um yeah man quick i'm gonna rapid fire you real quick and then we'll, we'll close up so best beer
1: uh shoot it's changed for me so many times i'm gonna go with uh downtown brown long or lost coast
0: out in uh california nice do you have do you have anything that's local up there that you're loving these days well it's, it's tough oh. with the covid times but yeah i know uh
1: there's this amazing brewery by me called um other half okay and they have really good stuff i'm a big um brown ale and stout guy
0: so nice yeah those are my i had a, good, there, had a good milk stout just over new year's actually um, nice, best nice. best movie in the past I don't know ten or fifteen years.
1: Oh, that long? Okay, uh, ten or fifteen years. Oh gosh, I'm gonna go a little bit more recently. What did I see recently, dude? Come back to me. Come back to me. What's yours?
0: Um. So well, if the reason I had to throw it out there for ten or fifteen is because once you have small kids, man, it's hard. Like I haven't even seen anything in the last few years, but, um, you know. I love me some Hangover or uh, The 40 Year Old Virgin. I don't even know how old those guys are, but Dumb and Dumber's best <laughs> time. Thinking. So
1: we laid it we on the moon. moon. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah, better. man. What's your best holiday movie? Any good holiday movies that you watched over the last uh, month, month and a half? Uh, unpopular for most,
1: but my favorite is definitely Eight Crazy Nights with Adam Sandler. It's just there like you go. Silly oh,
0: cartoon, but I love Adam Sandler. I like Sandler. that one. I like that one. Nice, man um I, i'm a home alone guy and now that i've got a, a five-year-old she's still a little too young for part of that movie but she loved it man so it was really fun watching that a little bit over the holidays so you, brother cool man well listen once again thanks so much for uh for being here and chatting with me it was awesome catching up um you know for in terms of the handlebar real quick what's the website oh yeah it's just www.thehandlebar.com
1: but handle isn't spelled like, you know, d l e at the
0: end it's d u it l kind of looks german like Handul. I like it. All right, cool. Um for the rest of you out there, uh, you know, hope you enjoyed our podcast. We'll have we'll have another one coming at you soon. Um remember peak is www.peakptw.com. And uh, if you enjoyed our podcast, hit click and like and subscribe, and we will have you back sometime soon with another awesome, uh, awesome episode. All right. So we will talk with you more soon. Cheers, Eric. Give my best to the family Cheers, and I'll talk with you soon, buddy.
1: You too, brother. All right. Thanks
0: for having me. Later, brother.